This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. I'm here at Gear 2023, sitting down with Dr. George Forgan-Smith, who just gave us an ASS class. So first of all, what is the ASS class all about? Um, basically, I want to do myself out of a job. I see so many people who have had damaged asses or pain from sexual various adventures, and I want people to actually be able to enjoy anal pleasure without harm. So the ass class is teaching how the ass works, how you can fuck and enjoy with that without causing any sort of damage to the bum and have a great time. Why do you think it's important to have classes like this when we have, you know, leather and kink and fetish kind of festivals? Um, well, if you get a large group of men who have sex with men together, usually something goes in a hole. Um, and for men, that's a bum, um, unless they put things in their ears, I suppose. But um, so, yeah, I think anal sex has been on the, the diet of many men who have sex with men. So why don't nobody's actually teaching how to do it well? One of the reasons I teach is like we lost a generation of educators because of HIV AIDS. And as you know, nature abhors a vacuum, so people make shit up. So I would rather come back to the basics, teach the anatomy, teach how the body actually works, and then how to work with the body. So that's my modus operandi, is I want people to know how their bodies work and how to work with their own body so they can have as much pleasure as they want. Now, you did mention that you see a lot of anal injuries. What are some of the more common injuries that you see? Probably the biggest one I see is anal fissures or tears. So that's generally from people who have had forced intercourse without the anal muscles fully relaxed or not using enough lube. Skin is a very high friction fabric. And as such, if you don't use enough lube, it can lead to tears. But also if the muscles are clamping down on whatever's going into the ass, that can pull on the, the skin as well and lead to tearing. So I see lots and lots of anal fissures. Um, I also see a lot of the worried well if they've had any bleeding after sex or stuff like that. Hemorrhoids, incredibly annoying. Anal sex is a great way of pissing them off. So teaching people how to uh, sort of negotiate around them as well. A lot of people hear about hemorrhoids, but they're not necessarily sure how they're caused or like how to distinguish when, when a hemorrhoid is. Could you explain what that is for like a listener? Um, it's really hard to do for listening because normally I use my hands for this, but imagine I'm using my hands. Um, there are three veins in the bum and they don't have valves that stop blood from going in one direction or another. When you bear down, that pushes blood into those veins and can stretch them out. Um, so when they do stretch out, that's basically what a hemorrhoid is. It's one of those veins that has been stretched beyond its capacity and it gets really sore and irritated. You also discussed at the start of the class that the configuration differs not only between cis men and cis women, but also that configuration uh, of basically erectum and anal and whatnot uh, can differ from person to person. And why do you think that's important that people understand that kind of base information? One of the goals that I have in any class that I teach is I want people to not only understand what the average body is like, but also what their body is like. Because when they understand what their config is, then they can work with it. Particularly when you're dealing with people like uh, people who've had 
gender-affirming uh, surgery and things like that. It changes the dynamics of the body. Or people who've had operations because of bowel cancer and things like that, it changes the, the dynamics. So we need to be able to go, okay, well, you're not the average person anymore. Now you're you. So let's find the best workout and the best solutions for you. One of the lines that you had in your presentation was, is stress is the enemy of anal. Why is that? Because it makes all the muscles clamp down. It's terrible. Like when, and you know, I, I spoke to a really lovely person whose partner had been traumatized by anal sex and they, you know, if you've had a bad, painful experience with anal sex, then those muscles are just not going to relax. You have to train your brain to understand that, it's going to be safe to do this. And this person cares and loves for me and they're not going to cause me harm. So you need to take the time. That old part of the brain is called the limbic system. It's the fight or flight system. If you don't cater to that, it will always trump. And the minute it's getting fearful, it'll clamp those muscles down and make everything really painful. One of the other things that you talked about with regard to, because it does seem like there's a bit of connection between the brain and the butt, um, but was also consent and how, you know, really having a conversation around consent can also be helpful for anal sex. And why is that? Oh, consent is great because you know what to expect. Like anticipation. And the, the other thing is that like with consent, because you've talked about what you're going to do. It means that you've got something to look forward to and enjoy and really go there. But if you're randomly having sex and you don't know what's going to happen next, that's fearful and scary. And it's hard to fully let go if you don't know what the person's going to do. But if you do know what the person's going to do and you trust that person and you feel safe with that person, then that whole limbic system can relax. You can relax and have a really great time. Squatting. You talked about squatting is a useful tool for folks who are keen to have anal. What's that about? So with squatting, the pelvic floor is able to relax. That's why in uh, cultures that don't have regular, you know, lazy people toilets, that they squat because in that squatting position, everything is a straight line. If you want to go and reference that squatty potty video with the, the unicorn doing poops, then they talk about everything lines up perfectly when you're in that squatted position. So I tell, you know, beginner players that cowboys are great position because they're able to sort of control the rate of penetration and they're able to um, control the depth of penetration so that way they they're not going to get um, more than they expect one of the things that we do hear about is chemical substances come into the mix a lot for folks in our community but you were cautious around people with um, when using chemicals around anal play especially any deep uh, play because of uh, a sensory aspects what's what's the word of caution there look the when we see people who have had uh injuries through anal penetration in particular when um something has penetrated through the wall of the of the bowel or the, the rectum that's normally in somebody who is having quite deep um sex invasive sex and almost always that's in the context of somebody who is intoxicated with substances whether that be uh, methamphetamines ghb um or, you know, ketamine. Ketamine is a, an anesthetic agent, so it actually reduces a lot of the sensations. Um, the deeper you go, the riskier it gets. The other problem is that there are a number of curves within the, the rectum that you need to be aware of. And so if you hit a point of pressure, don't try and push through it because you might actually be pushing through a wall rather than, you know, getting everything to line up. So I think the problem with substances is that we need a level of consciousness that will allow us to 
feel the, the, the limited sensations that we can feel. We don't need that blunted in any way. One of the other things that you talked about when we were talking about anal is around considerations around lube. And if you walk into, you know, a shop, there's plenty of options out there. Are there any like guides that we should be thinking about when we think about lube and anal? Absolutely. So the lining of the butt absorbs water. So if you're using a water-based lube because you're using condoms, then you have to make sure that that lube gets replenished on a on a regular basis. The problem with water-based lubes is the water gets sucked out of it from the lining of the arse and it becomes quite sticky and tacky. So if you're in a situation, you're on PrEP or U equals U or whatever, you're in a a fluid bonded partnership, then I would say don't use water-based lube because it's crap. Use Water-based lube was made for vaginas. It was not made for arses. So I would say use silicon-based lube or if you need, if you're doing fisting or something like that, you kind of need the lube to sit on the wall of the arse longer. So the oil-based lube tend to stick a little bit more. So yeah, I would generally say silicon is a great place to start if you're in the situation that you don't have to use uh, condoms. One of the things, of course, when a lot of people are thinking about preparing for anal or looking forward to anal is douching, of course. Mm. And you talked about some of the basics with douching here. And one of the things you talked about is squeeze balls versus plumbed options. You know, the squeeze ball, I mean, what's better? Look, if you're a traveler, I would say get the squeeze ball. Like I've gone to enough events around the world. You go to IML, I feel so sorry for that poor concierge who says, have you got a spare spanner? The poor bastard gets hit up by every person who has to put in their own bloody plumbed version. The squeezy bob for just regular dick in bum, you just need around about 200 mils to douche. And the squeezy bulbs are perfect for that. Um, if you're going to use the plumbed option, the biggest risk is overdouching using too much water, where the water spills over into the sigmoid colon or even the descending colon, and then it's really hard to, to be clean. But if you're doing fisting or large toys or extensive play, then you know, you're know you going to have to do a more extensive clean out. But for regular anal sex, you really only need to clean out that very last part of the gut. And that's what? 14 centimetres long, it 200 mils, more than plenty to clean that out. But everybody's body is different, so your mileage may vary. With that in mind, hot water, cold water, what's right? Ah, uh, you've got a Goldilocks it. So the trick is that you want it to be not too hot, not too cold, close to body temperature as possible. Um, if you use hot water, you can actually burn the lining of your ass. You won't know about it because there are no pain receptors. And then you get this really weird, uncomfortable sensation. And if you use cold water, it can cause cramping, which can then make the, the gut start spasming and bring more poo down, making it harder to clean out. So if you've got the luck of having one of those hot water systems where you can set the temperature, set it somewhere between 36 and 38 and you'll be good to go. With regard to how many times, if you're using, say, a squeezy ball or whatever the case may be, if you're using plumb option, how many times should you do it before, you know, it's not enough or perhaps too much? One of the biggest problems is like with overdouching, people immediately think putting too much water in, but that water's got to come out, right? So if you um, douche repeatedly and don't get all the water out, it's just going to, you're going to be adding to the mass of water in there. So I would say if you can't clean out after, say, four good attempts, then maybe today's not the day for anal sex. Just chill, think about some other plans, or maybe revisit in, say, half an hour and see whether you're able to clean out at that point. One last thing I want to ask you about, Jushing, uh, is you mentioned the dance. What is the dance? <laughs> this is I've never heard the dance before. I don't know. 
I cannot believe that people don't dance when they're douching. This is your I'm about to get fucked dance. Come on, people. <laughs> so the water goes in and you have to squish the water around because there are three shelves in the rectum and poo can get stuck to those shelves. So you need to wash that. So by doing a bit of a boogie, and I say half a Britney song, um, is usually enough. And then go to the toilet and expel it out or do the waffle stomp if you're, you know, from one of those horrible suburbs. Um, then then you should be right. But yeah, sometimes poo can get caught on the wall or on the, the little folds. And that's what the dance is about. It's about swooshing the water around like a washing machine to get rid of that adherent poo. One of the other things that you talked about with anal play, and you know, of course, is a fact for a lot of people, is sex toys. So what should folks think about when it comes to picking a toy for ass play? For ass play, it's one of those... I'd, it's one of those interesting things. If you're a beginner, you actually need a firm toy. If you're a more professional, you can get the softer toys, but you need the firm toy because you have to train the muscles that it's safe to relax. But I recommend a well-tapered butt plug, something that goes from small to not a whole bunch bigger over, say, 10 or 15 centimetres. So for the physics nerds out there, look up Law of Laplace. You'll actually learn that that opening of the arse, it takes a little bit of pressure. And so by having a 10 centimetre graduated increase, that will make comfort so much easier. So definitely a well-tapered butt plug is a great place to start. You were also talking about the importance of like quality silicon. What should people be looking out for? Yeah, I'm... I always recommend people look for platinum grade silicon. There is no such thing in a sex store as medical grade silicon. If they're doing that, that's just hyperbole. Um, get a good quality toy. And the things you want to be looking for is a lovely big base so it doesn't fall up into the bottom. A quality build so nothing breaks when it's inside your body. But if it smells horrible and chemically, those chemicals can be absorbed by your ass. So you want to be careful. If you have one of those toys already, that's okay. You don't have to throw it out. Just chuck a condom on it and that will stop those chemicals from being absorbed into your body. When you're, if you're ever out and someone, you're, somebody else has a sex toy, so to speak, and they're going to be doing anal play, is there any, is a condom a good idea in that instance as well? I don't know. Yeah, I would, I'm all about fluid bonding toys, unless I've seen that toy come out of a bath in, uh, not nappy sand, what's the stuff you use for baby's bottles? Um I've forgotten the name of it, but the stuff you clean babies' bottles with, um, that will sanitize it. That will kill all bloodborne viruses and bacteria on it. But if it's a, a, an unknown entity, I would put a condom on that. So at least this reduces the risk of transmission of anything nasty. You had a quote in there in your presentation as well as, good tops need to be trained. So why do you think it's important for tops to also maybe attend an ass class? Because they need to learn how they're... You know, this is their workplace. They need to know how all of the machines work. And tops need to know how asses work because they're the biggest cause of damage to asses. So please, tops, come to one of my classes. I promise you I won't hurt you in any way unless it's consensual. <laughs> now, speaking of delivering the classes, you've delivered this class in the States and in Europe. You know, what has the feedback been you've received over there? And, you know, I guess, is this the first time you're delivering in Australia? So has there been any difference? Well, the, the main difference in Australia is that I can't have a live model. Um, I have to have a simulator. Um, thank you, Medic Ward. I'm absolutely compliant. Um, uh, people are always fascinated that, like, nobody is teaching this stuff. And when I teach this to doctors, they don't even know this stuff. Like, last week I was teaching kink and BDSM to a group of HIV prescribers who I thought would know this stuff, but they genuinely don't because it's not taught. But I always urge people to understand when you understand how part of a body works, then you can exploit it and use it for pleasure.
Do you, why do you think that is that people haven't, you know, I mean, Asplay has been around a really long time. Why do you think we are not, you know, people aren't accessing this information or even thinking about getting up to speed on this? Oh, because it's icky and noity. It's terrible. Like heterosexually, people have anal sex all of the time. But you go and ask any heterosexual friend of yours when they went to get their STI screening, were they offered an ass swab? $10 million, they were not offered it. So we need to get comfortable in saying that Anal sex is normal sexuality. It is not aberrant. It is not different in any way. It's just another option. And we need to treat it like that. And as such, we need to educate people. We talk we talk about vaginas endlessly, but we need to start talking about us and understand that it, it's a highly pleasurable thing. It's got all of those nerve endings, as many as the head of the penis, even as many as the clitoris. We need to acknowledge that and um, teach people that it's a wonderful pleasure center. Are there any kind of major signs or symptoms that, of when it comes to your ass that mean that maybe you need to go have a conversation with your doctor? Absolutely. Pain. Absolutely. Pain, fevers, or excessive bleeding are two signs, well, three signs that I'd say go and see a doctor now. Um, because if you've got extreme pain, there could have been damage from the toy or anything like that. If you're the top and playing with somebody and you're putting your finger inside, and if you're noticing any unusual lumps or bumps, Please have a, you know, don't have to do it in the middle of the scene, but afterwards say, hey, I noticed there was a little lump in there. Maybe you should go and get that checked out by your doctor. Yeah, that's a good point to actually like have that. And like you said, maybe after the session, because it's one of those little extra bits of info. Um, you mentioned the class, but let's say you're not a, you're not traveling to a city near you. Is there a way that people can get more information from you in another capacity? Absolutely. I am looking forward to I'm. I'm in the process of putting together some online educational tools. I've already written uh, one on how to clean out and also pain-free penetration. Next, I'm going to move forward in the body and start doing cocks and all sorts of bits and bobs. Um, so just look out for Dr. George Forgan-Smith. Uh, I think one of my websites is painfreeanal.com. You could check that out. Um, and I promise, just put your name onto the mailing list. I will not molest that email address in any way, shape or form, but I will sell you good quality information. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of Geared. Thank you so much. It's been such a great event. Gotta love these Adelaide peeps. They do a good gig. Well, I'm going to ask you actually one last question. I know that you're based in Melbourne, but why do you, what do you think here, any impressions around the community here in Adelaide that you think is, you know, what, what have they got going here that maybe is different than other places you've been? There's something nice about small, like everybody can go to IML and it's a big event and, you know, it's, you know, you can have all the anon sex that you want, but at an event like this in small communities, People come together and it's it's really quite pleasant and I love that the the discrete size of it means that it's a really lovely event and I hope that, you know, as much as I want people to attend this event, I hope it doesn't get too popular because I don't want it turning into IML. So, yeah. Fair enough. One of the things that you did say during your presentation and you actually just prompted me to think of here is that you were talking about catering for people of different, um, uh, basically inclusivity. Um, how do you think Gear does with regard to inclusivity? Oh, they've been really fantastic. Um, you know, people who use wheelchairs are here. I didn't see a signer. Um, I'm not aware if there are people who are hearing impaired or not. Um, but, you know, it, the space is good. Um, I think it would be a little bit tricky to negotiate some of the some of the spaces, but I found that they're very inclusive and they want to make sure that all people are in, involved. And, uh, yeah, I love it. More of that, please. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of gear. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website 
thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.